My son had a teacher in seminary. Her name is Kate Bowler, and you may have heard of her. She's a New York Times best-selling author. She's a presenter of a TED Talk that's been watched seven million times. Uh, she's a graduate of Macalester College, so you might even have gone to school with her. And up until a few years ago, she lived the kind of blessed life that most of us can only dream of. She met her husband at Bible camp. They became high school sweethearts. They got married. They had that, that uh, baby boy they'd always dreamed of. Kate also got her, her dream job as professor of church history at Duke. And she published her first book, which was entitled Blessed. And at 35 years of age, she truly felt blessed. But then she started to have sharp pains in her stomach, and she dropped 30 pounds, and she frantically searched for an answer to what was wrong with her. She got that answer with a phone call from a physician's assistant telling her that she had stage 4 colon cancer. And all she could say was, I have a son. I can't die. Now sympathy poured in, and with all the cliches that people say when we don't know what to say to somebody. People would tell her husband, Tobin, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. And he'd say, yeah, well, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear why my wife is dying. Of course, they couldn't answer him. Last week we looked at how God is offering a, offering a second, third, and fourth chances, even 2,022 chances when we screwed up. When we have failed to be the person that we want to be, when we have failed to be the person that God wants us to be. We looked at, at the woman who was caught in adultery and was nearly stoned. We looked at David, who, in order to cover up his own unfaithfulness, had a an innocent man killed. And we looked at Abraham, who kept telling everybody that his wife was his sister because he didn't trust God enough to protect him. We know that a lot of the problems that we have in life, we bring on ourselves by what we've done or what we've left undone. And when we screw up, when we fail, we are so blessed because God offers us another chance. Well, that's what we looked at last week. But what do you say when a young mother is dying of cancer? What do you say when COVID takes away your job or takes away your grandpa? What do you, what do you say? What do you do when, when it's not you who screwed up, but life has screwed you over? What do you do when you don't feel so blessed and you're just wondering, why, Lord? Why? Trying to make sense of it all. Well, there's a book in the Bible that, that deals with this, at least for the entire book. It's called the book of Job. And it's spelled like Job. I don't know why it's pronounced Job. That's just the way it is. But, but spoiler alert, until the day that Job dies, he never does learn why he went through all that suffering in his life. All he discovers is that God is still with him, that God hasn't abandoned him, 
and that God provides more opportunities in life. He's given another chance or two, or, or 2022. So we're going to look at Job today. And it starts off in this way. In the first chapter, it says this. In the land of Uz, there is a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. His sons used to hold feasts in their homes on their birthdays, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of fasting had run its course, Job would, feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. And this was Job's regular custom. Now here, right away, we learn three things about Job. One, we learn that Job is blameless. Unlike us, he rarely screwed up. Two, we learn that Job is blessed. He is blessed with riches and possessions and also with a family, a family that even likes each other and gets together for every birthday. And three, we learn that Job is committed to God. We learn those three things. And then the book switches location and we're brought in on a conversation between God and the Satan, the accuser, the adversary. That's what Satan means. And God is bragging up how Job is such a man of love for God and faithfulness in living. And Satan says, well, of course he loves you. He has everything in the world. But take it all away and he'll curse you to your face, God. God says, no, not so. You can take all that away and Job will still be a man of integrity. And so Satan does. He takes it all away. One day, a messenger comes running into the room. And he says, Job, raiders came and they stole all your oxen and donkeys and they killed your servants and I'm the only one who survived. And he can find, barely get the words out of his mouth and, and another messenger runs in and says, lightning struck your pastures and it killed your sheep and your shepherds. And I'm the only one who made it here to tell you. And then a third messenger comes in and the third messenger says, all your camels were stolen and your camel drivers, they have been killed. Only I escaped. In an instant, Job has lost all of his riches. And then comes the fourth messenger who says, Job, your sons and daughters, they were all together at your oldest son's house having a party like they do when a windstorm came up and the house collapsed. And they're all dead. Job is devastated. But in the midst of that devastation, he turns to God in worship. And then it gets worse. Then Satan struck Job with painful sores all over his body. In misery, he sits in an ash heap and scrapes at the sores with a broken piece of pottery. And his wife gives him 
what has to be the worst words of encouragement ever given in a marriage. She says to him, are you still holding on to your integrity? Why don't you just curse God and die? Yes, thank you, dear. <laughs> now, of course, she's going through her own, her own grief. You know, she's lost everything, too. Still not very encouraging. And Job, Job, he curses, but he doesn't curse God. He curses the day he was born. He's gone from everything to nothing, and why? It seems to Job like life has just screwed him over for no reason. Remember, he doesn't know this conversation between God and Satan, and, and, and it really doesn't even help us to know it. All Job knows is that he's gotten the shaft. Now, I've never experienced what Job has gone through. I don't think probably any of us have. But we all know what it's like to suffer for no reason. I know what it's like to have a lifelong fear of shots and then to go to the hospital one day and be told that I need to take four shots of insulin a day for the rest of my life. I know what it's like to hold my two-year-old son's head in my hand after he'd been crushed in with a baseball bat because he'd run out to pick up a ball, as little kids will do. And I know what it's like to sit at the bedside of a young Christian father and friend and watch him die in less than a week of cancer. Sometimes he screw up, but sometimes life screws us over. And we can't figure out why. And if I asked any, any one of you, you could give me ten examples of times when you suffered through no fault of your own, and you wondered why. Why, God? And of course, there's always good-intentioned friends who will tell you why. Aren't there? Well, Job has three of them. Who don't abandon him in his misery as often happens when friends don't know how to respond to what we're going through. Job actually, Job actually has three friends who sit with him for a whole week and just say nothing. They're just there for them. And folks, those are the kind of friends you want to have. Until they aren't. See, when Job starts complaining, when he starts asking why this is happening to him, those three friends trot out all the cliches and misapplied theology that we've, we've all heard. Everything happens for a reason, Job. And we know the reason. You must have screwed up. Bad things happen to bad people. So fess up, Job. What did you do wrong? Confess, and maybe God will forgive you. Job, it's all your fault. Imagine you've lost everything including your children, and you're sitting in an ash pile in excruciating pain, and your friends tell you what Job's friends said. Your friends tell you, for example, what Eliphaz says here in the fourth chapter. He says to Job, Now consider now, who being innocent has ever perished? Where were the upright ever destroyed? It's like, has this guy actually been living? As I've observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble 
reap it. In other words, they tell you, it's all your fault. Innocent people don't suffer. Only people who've caused trouble, who've sown evil. So it must be your fault. What have you done? You know, and it's not just Eliphaz. Uh, Bildad also says this in, in chapter 8. He says, Surely God does not reject one who is blameless or strengthen the hand of evildoers. And yet, Job is blameless. God himself has said that. And yet he suffers. And then in, in chapter 11, the third, the third friend comes along. And so far, he gives this bit of advice. How would you like it? If you heard, if you put away the sin that's in your hand and do no evil, and allow no evil to dwell in your tent, life will be brighter than noonday and darkness will become like morning. Oh, isn't that comforting when you're suffering and you can't figure out why? We may not be blameless like Job, but sometimes this kind of advice is neither true nor helpful. We don't get out of cancer just by being less sinful. Your friends don't stop dying just because you're such a good person. Job's friends are no help to him because they have a math problem. They think suffering equals sinfulness. And big suffering equals big sinfulness. And since Job is suffering greatly, he must be a big sinner. But he's not. And likewise, they think that blessing equals blameless. The more blessings you have, the more blameless you must be. But if that were the case, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, and Matt, Mark Zuckerberg are three of the most blameless, sinless people who ever lived. Now you think about how that, how that misapplied math works. Sometimes we suffer because we've screwed up, and sometimes we're blessed because of our faithfulness. But there are times like Job's when we suffer through no fault of our own and for reasons that we'll never know, at least in this life. And yes, there are times in the Bible when it says things like Romans 5. We rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character and character hope. But there is no sign that Job has any more endurance, character, or hope through his suffering here. God never says that this suffering is a character-building moment for Job. It's just suffering. And it just sucks. After his friends blather on with, with their bad math, Job can take it no more. He rails at God for suffering unjustly. He demands an answer to his question, why? And he says in chapter 30, Have I not wept for those in trouble? Has not my soul grieved for the poor? Yet when I hoped for good, evil came. When I looked for light, then came darkness. The churning inside me never stops. Days of suffering confront me. Have there been times in your life like this, like Job's, or like Kate Bowler's? 
where there was no answer to why you suffered. When the usual cliches, they made no sense. And when you desperately wished that God would just explain it all to you, I'll tell you why. Well, I feel your pain, but I've got no answer for you. Job doesn't get an answer either. But he does get something. God speaks to him out of a storm. God tells in verse 38, Who is this who obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you'll answer me, Job. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. And for the next four chapters, God proceeds to basically tell Job, Job, even if I explained it, you couldn't understand it. But after he gets this assurance that God is there, Job's not so worried anymore about knowing why. Job is just happy that once again he realizes that God is there for him, that God hasn't abandoned him. And God goes on to tell his friends, Gentlemen, your math is bad. Your advice has been horrible. You have not spoken the truth about me, as my friend Job has. At least he has spoken truthfully. Like I said, Job never gets the answer, but, but he gets something better. He gets God. And God has given him another chance to be happy. And his friends, well, God tells Job to pray for them. They may have been wrong, but at least they were there for him. And it might have been more helpful if, if instead of spending 30 chapters telling all of this stuff about God, they'd actually spent 30 seconds even praying to God for Job. Let that be a lesson if you're visiting friends who are sick. Um, less explaining God and more talking to God. But Job prays for his friends. And they get another chance. And so does Job. He didn't screw up. He was screwed over. But he gets another chance too. Because this is how it all ends. After Job had prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes and gave him twice as much as he had before. All his brothers and sisters and everyone who had known him came and ate with him in his house. They comforted and consoled him over all the trouble the Lord had brought on him. And each one gave him a piece of silver and a gold ring. The Lord blessed the latter part of Job's life more than the former part. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. And he also had seven more sons and three daughters. Job was blessed. He was given another chance. It doesn't take away all the suffering that he went through. He still lost all of that, including his first children. But he's given another chance. He's given another chance to have a blessed life. Kate Bowler also got the opportunity for another chance. 
She's been through so many abdominal surgeries that, that she says she's on her fifth belly button. But she's still loving her husband and her son. She's still teaching church history. She's still writing books. And if you want to read about her discovery about God in the midst of her suffering that has no answers, well, you can, you can get her book, Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've Loved. Or you can uh, go on the Internet and you can find her TED Talk. That's uh, worth a look, too. And if you're going through a period of suffering and questioning God right now, know that, that there might not be easy answers for you either. But may you discover, like Job, that God is still with you, that God hasn't abandoned you, and that God will give you more opportunities. He's given us all another chance or two or, or 2022. So let's worship like Job no matter what we're going through. And let us pray for those in need. God, right now there are so many people who are suffering. It might be cancer. It might be COVID. It might be families that don't get along. It might be loss of family. Lord, we pray for our friends and even those that we don't know as they go through those times. And Lord, we might be in one of those times too right now. So who's ever facing that, Lord, may they get an assurance that you are with them, that you haven't abandoned them, and that you still provide opportunities for blessings and life and joy. Thank you for being such a gracious God and never abandoning us.